Well, this lady is back in bed with us and <laughs> for another day. What a hook. <laughs> and another episode. Dr. Kyla, welcome. Glad to see things haven't changed. It's nice to dial into the bed this time. That's <laughs> it. Always welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're always welcome. But yeah, this time it is a little bit different because you are on Zoom. Um, but that's what everyone's doing these days, just Zooming in everywhere. It's so convenient. It's um 2020. So before we get into it, we just want to say we, I feel like now speaking to Dr. Kyla, I have so much less stress because it's what, at least six months on since we've, you know, started solids with little Memph. He's just turned one. Um, but if people are wondering what this podcast is, welcome to first time parents. For those who are awesome fans, we have just loved listening and reading your messages. Um, loved so much you guys getting around the Facebook group, first time parents. So an unedited, unfiltered podcast about us as first time parents. Here we are year on, like you said, you know, we've gathered so much experience or gained so much experience and knowledge, um, but you never uh, stop learning. No. And you're always uh, asking for advice, so yeah. here we are, round two. <laughs> yeah, well, with Memph right now, um, we're in a whole new transition with his food. And, you know, I am part of Baby Mealtime's subscription, but I haven't been, you know, like reading it so much with Dr. Carla. So I thought, let's just get her on the podcast and I'll ask every question that I want. Um, so you are a pediatric, oh God, I think I stumbled on it last time. Introduce yourself, please, Dr. Kyla. <laughs> Go on, I want to know what it is. What were you going to say? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I stumbled on the pedi- Pedi- pediatric pediatrician. Dietrician, <laughs> yeah. Pediatric dietrician, I like it. It's a different one. Does that sound good? Dietitian. <laughs> Yes, so um, you know so much about feeding babies and with us with Memphis, if you go back to, well, what it was at least six months ago when we, you know, were talking about starting solids, I was a really anxious mum, so scared of choking. Um, you know, you have to do all the allergy foods and all that kind of thing and you just gave us a wealth of information and I, we have created a mo- what we think is a monster. Mm, <laughs> Food monster. I can't believe he's one though. I know. I know isn't it when you think about how much he's learned about food in that time as well and how much he's you know loving it developed big yeah time. yeah well that's why we thought we'd get you on because there's so many things i think so many pressures as mums i know like with all my mums in mums group and stuff they've all just started going like do we need to feed the milk still like are we on formula like what are you are you feeding the baby like the food that you cook or are you still doing separate meals and it's kind of like well do i still need to give them snacks and blah 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 and the list goes on other poos you know supposed to change all that kind of stuff and so i know like i said we have a really good little eater he is obsessed with food and I sometimes, you know, you talk about, I've seen you talk about how babies and that intuitively know when to stop. We're not sure our baby knows when to stop. So. Yes, he does. <laughs> Definitely does. <laughs> okay. It's tricky though because I think you're moving from a baby stage to a toddler phase at this time. So the good news is if you're worried about that, in the next couple of months he's going to stop eating a whole range of things like toddlers do, which is um, – really scary and frustrating for lots of parents, but also kind of reassuring if you think you've got a baby who's never going to stop eating too. Yeah. I was kind of thinking that because, uh, yeah, obviously I don't remember when I was only one years old, but <laughs> with Memph, like he literally eats everything. There are some yeah. things that is uh, a, a little bit hit and miss, but generally we have not hit a food where he goes 100% no. And then I was thinking surely at some stage you do start to well, develop your taste buds and then you go, oh, that tastes like crap. Why the hell have I coming. been eating that? Have you noticed coming. though, 
greens. So he, we used to, we've fed him a lot of vegetables. He's like a little veggie kid. And me, that's the easiest thing for me to cook um, when I've got to prepare his meals. But I have noticed probably in the last two weeks, he's starting to throw his greens on the floor. He's pushing our buttons. Somewhere, usually between 12 and 18 months that we see it. Typically kind of around 15 months you notice it start. But babies start to get a little bit more fussy. They start to reject things like vegetables particularly. Um, and often the textures associated with meat, they get a bit more kind of funny about it. Maybe they're throwing more on the floor. They're eating less. Yeah. And that's the time that everybody usually starts to panic because they're like, I don't want to lose my great eater. What's going on Yeah. Here? So what? Really typical phase. Yeah. Okay. So it's a phase. Um. Because like I said, he he eats really well. Like, um. There hasn't been a lot that he hasn't liked. He he. But I have noticed in the last few weeks. Like, I didn't know whether to stop formula or not. Because like, obviously, he still has um a little bit of boob in the morning. Um. But I just I was like, now I don't have to pump. Like, you know, I'm just like, it's one less thing to worry about. So I'm doing milk in the day. But he also ha- didn't sit well with a lot of dairy when he was a little baby. So I do a little bit of almond milk and a little bit of um, other milk. So what is like, what are the rules? Like, are they supposed to have milk? How much? Cool. So if we talk about milk, that's probably the thing that confuses people the most after the age of 12 months, because that's kind of the cutoff Uh, when everything starts to change, when they become a toddler rather than a baby. Yeah. So if your um, now toddler um, is eating a range of foods, they're kind of having three good meals a day uh, and perhaps one or two snacks during that time, you can actually move away from um, any kind of formula altogether. Yeah. So if he's having that during the day, what what we tend to think of is that milk is no longer a feed on its own, it becomes part of meals and snacks. So it can be cow's milk, it can be um, other sorts of milk. Um, You want to be making sure that you're getting a milk that's kind of similar to cow's milk in terms of the fat, the protein and the calcium. And so one of the ones like almond tends to be a tricky one because it doesn't have an awful lot of um, protein or fat. So some of the ones, um, you can use soy milk if you like. You can use um, some of the um, barista ranges actually have quite a bit. The Oatly um, mm-hmm. has a reasonable one and the Australia's own like milk, the pea protein milk, if dairy doesn't sit well, can be an option, plus yogurt and cheese um, if they eat those. So what we want to think about is that milk isn't a thing now on its own. It doesn't have to come in a bottle at a particular time. And I think that's the thing that gets really a bit overwhelming for people Mm. because it's been such a big part of your life up until then, you know, scheduling like now you have dinner or now you have a milk feed before bed, now you have it's bottle time or whatever. And then to just kind of stop that feels really strange. I think. And so definitely if you're breastfeeding, like certainly um, you can continue to breastfeed if you want to. There's definite benefits, particularly if he's at daycare or things like that um, in terms of an immunity point of view. And usually the mornings or the evenings tend to be um, the preferred kind of times for people, particularly if they're back at work. Um, You don't have to offer during the day if you don't want to. And the same with formula. You can move away from it being... A feed on its own and you can start to just incorporate those calcium foods as part of meals and snacks um just with other foods okay because i definitely reckon he loves the bottle for comfort and also sometimes because he like he has been throwing his food a little bit in those like i said on the last two weeks on the floor and then so he fills up with the milk afterwards and this is the tricky thing because when you think about babies their growth in that first year 
is insane. Mm. Like they triple their body weight from birth and they double in length. Wow. Like huge, huge growth rate. Between the age of one and two, that slows down so significantly and really it's only a couple more kilos and a few more centimetres that they're gaining in a whole year. And so what happens is their appetite actually reduces to reflect that because they're so in tune with what's going on with their body that all of a sudden they're less interested. They maybe sat in the high chair for 45 minutes before and now kind of after 10 minutes they're whinging to get out or maybe after 15 and they're throwing some of it on the ground and they're just not as driven by it. Yeah. And this is the tricky thing I think with milk in this stage as well because milk is so easy to down, right? And yeah. so if you're a toddler who is wanting to crawl or walk or talk or can get moving and, you know, there's so much in this world now that's accessible to them, they're thinking, great, like let's do this in one minute, you know, just scull that bottle down rather than kind of sit and do too much chewing and all of that attention, um, paying attention to food. So often they are keen for an easy way and that's where some people I guess fall into a bit of a trap that I think well they didn't eat their dinner maybe I need to be offering more milk because they're not eating their dinner and that creates a really tricky cycle because um you know they don't need the milk and they're probably eating a reasonable amount because their growth is you know is less than what it was before Mm. but then we're kind of offering more and more milk, which then is taking the place of food. Because as you said, they know how to regulate their intake. And so if they're getting all of their calories from formula, they're not going to bother, you know, sitting down and eating because they've got so many other more fun things to do. Um, yeah. Well, it was funny. I think it was your mum that I, she was like talk. So I've, because I've listened to you and I've gone like, you know, the intuitive eating, like, you know, that's, you know, where oh, I've got to him. But I remember it was your mum. She's like, no, he doesn't know when to stop. And so then I've got it in my head that I'm like, now maybe I have a baby that doesn't know when to stop. And that's because she's like, I could feed him all afternoon. It's like he's a dog, you know, he'll keep eating. He doesn't throw up like a dog would, <laughs> but like literally he'll just keep eating until you just think, geez, there's like absolutely no room left in that tummy of yours, yeah. mate. And I think that's a really important point to address actually because Often that relates back to our own insecurities, right, around food and not being able to trust ourselves necessarily to stop with those particular things. And it takes one random throwaway comment for somebody for you to kind of grab onto that and be like, oh, maybe my child actually doesn't. Um, But realistically, the only children that actually can't regulate have um, some kind of medical condition. That means they are like literally food seeking. They cannot stay away from a pantry, a cupboard. If they see it, they have to eat it. Um, And these kids are off the chart in terms of weight and height, but they've also got so many other medical things happening. Mm. So in terms of normally developing kids, like some kids eat heaps, they also poo heaps. And I can imagine you guys are probably changing quite a few, you know, (laughs) nappies associated with that. Absolutely. Because some kids just don't absorb as efficiently as others. So they need more volume passing through to get what they need. But the other thing is that sometimes we kind of project a bit of that concern onto them. So we're feeding them thinking, oh, this feels a bit much. Like, I don't know, maybe like, oh, look out the window. We can see this, you know, a plane going over. Or like, oh, I'll just slow down and see if maybe you stop um, them. And often what that just teaches our kiddos is that they're thinking, oh, I'm about to get cut off. I need to shovel it in until (laughs) I'm going to be stopped because... If we don't really trust them, and honestly, as they get older, it's the same with junk food. If we're kind of channeling like, oh, I don't think you're going to stop after one chocolate biscuit. Like, this doesn't feel good to me. They actually can't stop because they're feeding off our kind of 
you know, worried energy. Yeah. Uh, and so what we really want to be projecting is like, I know you'll stop when you're ready. You are the only one who knows your body. And it's funny when you think about adults, like how can you decide how much he needs to be full? How can she decide how much he needs to be full? It's just a random amount that you've got in your head that is yeah. you know, reasonable. Um, and in fact, we actually want our kids sometimes to overeat and know that that's what that feeling feels like so that they are feeling like they are trusting their body rather than waiting for a cue from us to say that's the end of the meal, you must have had enough. Sounds a bit like happy hour, you know. I know when it's like the last <laughs> minute, quick, let's get another 10 rounds in, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, 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 <laughs> I'm like, so I know true, that though. feeling. If you thought about that, though, Griffo, in your experience, if it was then happy hour for the next hour after that, you wouldn't feel like you had to rush A hundred percent. You just work through at the pace that works well. you know you're going to bloat yourself if you smash it or if you've got time on your hands. But, yeah, look, that, that absolutely makes sense. I mean, yeah, I think for sure, you know, if you've got that time up your sleeve, you can just ease your way into it. But if you don't and you get that panic because you can see mum and yeah. dad going, oh, we're going to dial it down a little bit, buddy, I'd be going quick, shovel yeah. it in. Or like diets with, you know, a lot of the women yeah. that I talk to and like coach these days, like because I'm no to diets, but that's what we used to do. Like because we'd go, diet starts tomorrow so quick, eat everything in the cupboard today because the diet starts tomorrow and then you failed by like Tuesday or Wednesday and you're like, damn, I wish I didn't eat all that food. <laughs> and this is the thing around, it's the same as chocolate for adults as well. Like lots of people say, well, I couldn't stop at a couple of pieces of chocolate. And that's because of our mindset around that restriction stuff. Like you can't mm. have it. You can only have two bits yeah. rather than thinking you can have as much as you actually feel like knowing that there'll be more tomorrow. There'll be more the next Yes, day. It's not a, a, a thing that you have to limit um, and that trust message is honestly like what underpins everything I do with kids and feeding because it's about raising them to listen to their bodies so that you don't have to sit there as he gets older being like two bites of chicken, then you can get down, no, one more bite of broccoli, yeah. you need to have this before this. But the thought of having to like police my child through a, a meal, every single meal is just, uh, I don't have the energy for that. Yeah. So if I can just teach her from the beginning to trust herself, then... That's what I want to do. Yeah, I love that. And, like, you think about, like, our grandparents and stuff, they were told to eat everything on their plate or they weren't allowed to have dessert or they weren't allowed, you know, because they were poor or whatever, like, living through the depression and stuff, they might not have had enough food. So it's like you need to eat it. And so I know, like... I was kind of told that sometimes. Like, you ha- you can't yeah, leave the table to you. in Africa. We were all told that. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. So what would you do in the case if, um, obviously, I guess – my assumption would be they try and teach you your parents are saying you can't leave the table until you finish that to be grateful for the food that you're eating but what would you say if um they aren't say eating enough like would it be something on the lines of um yeah like i don't know how do you try and train someone to you know have enough food if they're not when you would have used that tactic of saying hey you can't leave until you eat so say if their diet or their appetites well and truly tapered off what would you suggest then i guess it's the same with every parenting thing that you think um you know i did this a certain way before and it maybe didn't fit with me then and i've changed my way it's just being like okay i know differently now so I'll do differently now. Yeah. And what I would say for those kids is that particularly older kids, like kids Memphis age, it, it's really quick. Like it's a couple of days for them to readjust to that. With older kids, it takes longer, but it's more just about, um, 
giving them the chance to eat. And this is the, the difference. It's not that they're allowed to eat all day long, every day, whatever they want, whenever they want. That's not kind of what I'm talking about. You guys are still the structure providers. So you're still deciding, is it mealtime now? Is it snack time now? Um, and is it not eating time now? So food's not available at this moment. But when I have said that it's time for eating, I'm really going to trust you to do your job and fill up. And for some kids, they have to go overboard for a while to trust that nobody is going to step in and there isn't going to be any, you know, subtle judgments or little comments that kind of keep coming. So it's really just about re-earning that trust around mealtimes. And it can take a while. For some of our older kids that we work with, it can take kind of up to four weeks. Um, and that's a hard period to be in especially if you've got your own worries about weight um, or growth or your own weight or kind of, you know, particular foods, it's really hard to be neutral if you're not neutral in your own head. Mm. Um, and so a lot of that is, you know, work that we do, you know, to help ourselves, to help our kids. Um, that's a lot of what I teach in the Toddler Mealtimes program as well is about how do we keep food just as food. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not filled with judgment or morals or anything like that. It's just food. Yes, I love that. Before we delve more into that, I just want to quickly touch on something there. So one of my friends, she has a eight-month-old and mm -hmm. she's um, having trouble putting on weight. Um, so she's gone to the doctors and back and forth. And every time she leaves the doctors, she feels like she's failed. And I, I did tell her to reach out to you. I'm not sure if she did, but... She was like, you know, you're not doing enough snacks. The doctor's telling her she's not doing enough snacks with the baby and this and that. And she said, I just don't know if, like, I've, she's feeling so stressed and, like, she's failed as a mum. What could be some tips and advice that you could give her? And that's the really sad thing um, because when you feel responsible for getting food into your child or somebody makes you feel like that that's your thing, like, you cannot force feed a kid. Right? And actually, the more stressed you are and the more consistently during the day you're offering food rather than giving them regular opportunities to fill up but then get hungry again, the more your child's interpreting that as like, this is something really scary and it seems to happen every time I'm in the high chair. And mm. if she's scared, if my main safe person is freaking out, then I also need to be really careful. Like this is potentially not safe. So a lot of what I'm talking about is really taking the pressure off yourself, giving your child, you know, those regular opportunities to eat. Sure, making sure there's a range of things and, you know, particularly kind of high, high calorie foods for those kids. But it's actually, if there's some reason that they're not gaining weight, it's not because you're doing the wrong thing. It's very, very, very rarely because a parent's are not offering their child um, food. And in fact, it usually comes down to they're always trying to do too much and push this and push that. And then the relationship is not neutral anymore. It's like me trying to feed you because yeah. you need to get yeah. this into you. And you just can't make kids do that. It's really tricky. And that, that way of feeding then gets really tough when you get into this toddler stage that you guys are about to enter because toddlers naturally go through this really fussy stage they're naturally more bothered by colored things and sprinkles of things and bits or things that have been cut up and aren't whole or bits that you know have spices on them or whatever and so when they get to that phase especially if you've always been so obsessed about getting you know a particular amount into your child it's virtually impossible to not have meltdowns at every single meal time because it's so stressful mm. yeah. it's so hard 
yeah. really it's about taking a lot of that pressure off, working out if there's a, a medical reason that's contributing. And if not, then all you can do is all you can do. You can provide, but it's up to your child to decide. Yeah. yeah. And so with regards to toddlers, and that's where we're heading with a toddler, yeah. ah, um, what are some of like, and I don't want to say good habits, bad habits, what are some like habits that we can start to instill? Like should we be sitting around the dinner table Griffo and I sometimes, maybe seven days a week, sit in front of the TV and, you know, that's, we're just like, ah, Netflix and Memphis already had his dinner and we just kind of feed him in his high chair in the kitchen and potter around him and stuff and, um, you know, chat to him and play or whatever. But then we sit down on the couch and he's like, ah, I want what you're having. And he has these tanties, doesn't he? Yeah. He wants to be in with us, which I think. We've noticed more and more as he's gotten that bit older. Yeah. Because let's face it, if you don't have something um, that someone else has got, that's what you want. <laughs> Someone's sitting on the couch eating dinner in front of me. I want it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I think sitting down together and eating the same kind of food when you can is the most powerful thing you can do to help your kids eat a range of foods in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's not always immediate and it doesn't have to be at every meal. If breakfasts work better for you, if weekend lunches and dinners work better for you, that's fine. The more that you can sit though and share that time and model what you're doing so that your child learns from you, like that is so, so powerful. Um, and I think especially as he gets older um, and you've got more space, you're not kind of rushing into that bedtime routine or trying to get him down as early. If you guys can shift your routine a bit so that you do eat a bit earlier and he maybe eats a tiny bit later so you can coincide them, it feels like a real change at the start. But now, like, I can't imagine anything better. Like, I'm ready for dinner by quarter to six now. And it means that by the time we put her down to bed, like, we can sit on the couch and watch Netflix completely guilt-free. There's no cleaning up to do. There's no Mm. eating or food prep to do. We can have dessert if we want to on the couch. But it's just that shared time um, has such an impact on how they eat and how they view mealtimes. So the more that you can try it, I would say absolutely the better. Yeah. We we eat early, so we're yeah, like, you know. It's not a huge adjustment. I think no, it's just getting just that into a, a routine. And like you said, maybe not every night or every meal, but if we can try and do more than not, it's a yeah. good start. And yeah. Because I recall as a kid, you know, we did used to, I think it was Sundays, we always, oh, it might have been more, but definitely Sundays. I feel like Sundays. you would have, at your family, you would have sat at the table every night. Probably. Maybe yeah. I'm thinking of more in the, my teenage <laughs> years, but it was definitely about having the family together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, looking back, I was probably not grateful by any means, but now looking back, I think, you know, it was nice thing to have and to do and, mm. you know. And even sitting around the table, even um, if your child's not necessarily eating the exact same thing as you, there's so much research now about the positive impact of mealtimes on not just food, but on academic performance, on well-being, on depression levels, on body image, all from that kind of sitting, sharing, taking time. And sometimes for families, particularly when you're working a lot or you're really busy, it's the only time you get to sit and talk to each other, you know, mm. face-to-face, not while you're doing something else necessarily. Um, and that can be really protective for kids. I just think the only thing we don't want to model to him is how quickly Griffo and I eat. Both of us are really fucking fast eaters. So how do we, we – I know we, need, we just need to be more mindful, don't we? And, you know, you can be a really fast eater if you think about yourself at the cinema with popcorn. Like yes. you can get through half that tub in, you know, a couple Before of the movie started. <laughs> yeah. But if you're sitting there and talking to Memphis and you're like talking about your day and like it gives you 
a slow down yeah. prompt really yeah. and you can do all sorts of things like at meal times where you you know talk about your favorite part of the day the part of the day that made you feel sad the part of the day that made you feel happy or f- that made you laugh and as he gets older and you know he can um, well one you're modeling a lot of speech skills to him as well but when he starts participating in that kind of conversation it just will melt your heart and yeah. it's so worth it in the long run just to to slow that down you know even gradually my my mum's the worst. She's so slow at eating. She'll talk most well, of the time. She's good though. Yeah, but I think she's at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, okay. So she she is really slow at eating, and by the time I've had seconds and waiting for dessert, she's just about finished her first. But um, <laughs> she probably doesn't have like upset tummy or something like that because her digestion system's just easing her, her way through it. <laughs> so we need to alternate between meal times with you guys and meal times with her for Mepsi to find the perfect balance. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And what about like water with babies? Uh, you know, with a one-year-old because I know, like, you know with water before he it wasn't necessarily for hydration was it yeah so after 12 months it's really about his thirst reflex so particularly because we're offering lost fluid less fluid from milk um, or from formula or from breast milk he can have water available to him all throughout the day and he can just decide how much he needs yeah and what about spoons cutlery all that kind of stuff because i mean i feed him wheat bix in the morning and um but then like i've started to give him like his spoon and stuff but he just pretty much throws it on the floor um and then usually he just uses his hands yeah and so lots of babies will prefer to use their hands at this at this point um it's normal for some kids to be showing an interest in spoons and other kids really not to be interested your job is really to give them an opportunity to do it themselves if they want to and you might find over the next couple of months that he starts to tell you really clearly that he he doesn't want you to do it for him and he wants to do part of that and he might have a spoon in one hand and a fistful of food in the other hand and be working out how to do that my favorite probably brand of um kids cutlery after the age of 12 months is called doddle so it's D-O-D-D-L. Yep. Um, and that's a really great one because the, the way that the handle is shaped means that they can hold it without flipping the spoon over just before they put it in their mouth, which is the most frustrating part of self-feeding for kids when that falls <laughs> straight it. off. It's <laughs> really close. Yeah, you guys are like, yeah, we've seen that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he yeah, so is he's covered in food all the time. The like, floor's got more food oh, than his tummy. And like I said, lately now, because I got one of those bowls that stick to, yeah. you know, the chair, he literally flips it and throws the food <laughs> all over him. And at that point when he's starting to do it for more of a play session I would just be super calmly packing away like okay you're telling mummy that you're done when you're throwing it we're just going to move it away and pack up yeah rather than trying to teach him no or don't do that it's yeah. actually just you're giving me a really clear sign and I'm going to follow up that. that's exactly what I do actually or I say come on do you want to finish the rest of it that's on your thing and then he'll start to pick it up sometimes or other times he's like uh, uh, and shakes his head yeah. yeah and having a really clear cue like that when he says I'm done or shakes his head or washes his hands or whatever it is um, that really, if you respect that and follow through, then he knows to give you that sign really Yeah. Quickly. They're so smart, aren't they? They're so smart. So smart. Like, we just get so amazed by him every day, like the little things that he picks up and yeah. does. Like, it's crazy. Do you have any more questions? I feel like I've banged out all the ones and you've just been here for the happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's You enjoyed it. that part of the chat. That's yeah. it. <laughs> the poo. Oh, I was going to, I had written down poo because I did actually read a question on one of your pages the other day and a lady said that her baby was pooing like five times and you're like, that might not be right at this age. I think the baby was like maybe 15 months. Obviously, Memphis is 12 months. 
Um, but he does poo like massive, massive. But he's also eating massive amounts yeah. too. So it's more about the frequency than anything. We don't want it to change significantly and we particularly don't want it to be going up more than it's going down. So if he's consistently pooing, you know, two or three times a day, yeah. we don't want him to all of a sudden start doing that five times a yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But what you'll find as well is that when he's doing less formula or less milk during the day, then those poos will be a bit more solid and they'll be a bit more consistent. Mm. So I would expect kind of one to two as a general rule in the day after, you know, they get a bit older and they're having less milk. If it starts to fluctuate or he's really uncomfortable or constipated or he's got really runny poo, then definitely I'd be investigating that with your GP. Um, But some kids just eat more and poo more and that's fine. Okay, so he's two to three a day. Yeah, I was going to say two to three a day. And just over the last oh, couple of weeks, particularly last, say, week, he has had a bit of a sort of cough flu sort of thing going on. Daycare. Um, does that, um, <laughs> that would surely affect his, his poo being a bit crook? Sometimes, yeah. Like yeah. he's certainly, his nappies are wet. There's definitely no dehydration there. Yeah. But you were saying that his poo was a little bit more wet than normal, but I yeah. don't think it's... It's not terrible. But Isn't it funny how much poo chat you talk about when you have a baby? But then again, that's, you know, I'm sure that's a good um, starting point to go, hey, are they sick or not? Are they healthy or not? And it changes with teething as well sometimes. It changes yes. with, you know. You kind of got all that going on, yeah. 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 Um, okay, well, I think I might be confused about the milk again. So before you go, <laughs> before we wrap things up, what am I feeding him with milk? So are you offering him formula at the moment? No, no. formula's done, just been... Okay. But, like, when I go to daycare, I kind of, like, I'll say, like, yeah, bottle after he wakes up. So do I not want to do that anymore? No, you can get rid of that now. Okay. Yep. That's what I was going to ask before. As you are saying, you don't want to get him still stuck in a routine that I oh, know I'll get that and maybe not have his solids. Would it be better sporadically giving him a bottle rather than as soon as he wakes up and before he goes to bed? It depends, honestly, what works for you. Like sometimes it can be, particularly at this age, if he's getting up a bit early as well and you guys aren't ready to sit down together for breakfast, then you could definitely do like a milk first and then more of a gap between it. But you're certainly okay to skip them sometimes as well if Mm. that, you know, on those days where you need to get out the door more quickly or whatever, you certainly um, can do that. After the age of 12 months, we're really looking at a maximum of kind of 375 mils to 400 mils of milk in a day. Okay. Um, and a little bit less if they're having yogurt or cheese as well. Mm-hmm. So yep. as long as you're not going too hardcore over that. We're probably like going hardcore. recommend oh. <laughs> no. calcium foods two to three times a day. Yeah. Because um, he has boob in the morning and then last, I, reckon, yeah. I reckon he's probably having about 600 to 800 mils. Possibly. Which is quite normal because prior to 12 months, that was probably a big part of yeah. his routine. It's not like the day that he turns one, you need to stop all of them and, you know, you can gradually move towards that. But what you'll find is if he's on three meals and one to two snacks, you just don't need additional bottles on top of that because really we're trying to give him a good two to three hours between each eating or drinking opportunity, not including water, yeah. to get hungry again. Yeah. And so if you have too many bottles and snacks and meals, he just ends up eating all day long. And that's when he can't necessarily judge that hunger and fullness because we're consistently topping him up. Maybe that's okay, great. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. And <laughs> what about with the milk? Uh, is it right to say water it down a bit? You could if you want to. Um, everybody has different ways of gradually moving away from it, and it depends how attached he is to that 
um, experience, whether it's the bottle, whether it's the comfort, whether it's the warmth of the milk, whether it's the type of milk. It, it really depends on what works for your family. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Ah, amazing information as usual. Thank you so much, Dr. Kyla. Where can people find more info on you? My pleasure. Um, you can find me most often I'm on Instagram, um, so at Dr. underscore Kyla, Dr. with a DR. Um, or you can find out if you've got um, a toddler, kind of your age, so 12 months to about four years. I've got my Toddler Meal Times program, which is toddlermealtimes.com.au. Um, and for those of you with younger babies, it's babymealtimes.com.au. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I always feel so like, yes, I'm ready to tackle. Clarity, yeah. the next, next phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we can't wait to get you back soon. And um, like I said, for those who want to follow Dr. Kyla, make sure you do and ask her any questions and join her mealtimes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you are loving it, we ask you subscribe on whatever channel you are listening. And, um, yeah, if you want to give us a ratings, we'd like that, a uh, five-star, obviously, uh, on iTunes. But we'll see you next week. Lots of love. See ya.